Amen. People die. Psalmist said in Psalm 90, which we uh, have looked at, verse 12, teach us to number our days. Funerals are, well, you see them throughout Scripture, and they are powerful, and they're really for the living, not for the dead. You know, for a believer, there's no more weeping, no more tears there in heaven, so there's no worries for them. But funerals really help us here through the grieving process. I have been to more funerals than I can possibly count, and I'm sure many of you have as well. Um, uh, my most memorable funeral was uh, the funeral of our, my baby. I had a baby that lived for about 15 minutes, died, went to heaven. Who do we have online? Pastor Vince. <laughs> Very good. Um, wonderful. So, um, and I'll never forget, uh, it was a gravesite funeral in Maui, and uh, Dr. Morocco did the service. And uh, I will never forget having the, the casket that, that was made by Roy Otani. Some of you know who that is. You know Roy, right? And uh, he made a cute little baby casket, and... Uh, I'll never forget the, the wailing. I mean, my, my wife was just wailing. I mean, she was just wailing, you know. And it was so hard for her. It was hard for me too, but it was, honestly, I think it was harder for her. But And uh remember reaching, you know, reaching out and putting her hand on the casket. It, it it's, it's just like sometimes when you go through funerals, when people go through things. We were just talking to her brother yesterday. Pastor Alex and I went and just, uh, loved on a brother who lost his dad. It was fast. He was 65 years old. He wasn't ready. Boom. And uh, his mother said, and which he told us, she said, is this a dream? She called, she called her son wailing. He's dead. She's telling him, your father's passed away. Your father's passed away. He's dead. And, and then she's hysterical and he's crying and they're praying. And she says to him, is this a dream? Tell me if this is a dream because it's so... It's so difficult sometimes, um, especially for. Oh, that's nice. A cute little birdie in the background. Is that Mexico or something? Whose bird? It's mine. I'm getting touched by the Lord. <laughs> I never hear birds in winter. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Okay, you probably want to mute before we all fall out from the song of the bird. There's a mute button on there. Carol, calling Carol. Carol. I'm right here. You, you want to go ahead and mute. There's a, a mute button. Looks like a little microphone. Okay. Click it. Very good. 
Thank you so much. All right, so you guys, some of you have been around longer than I have, been to more funerals than I have, I'm sure. Um, just some quick funeral etiquette. I sure enjoyed that bird, though, Carol. God bless you. Praise the Lord. Uh, it, funeral etiquette differs uh, from various communities, ethnic groups, uh, religions, customs. Um, we're well acquainted with Marshallese, Micronesians. They have funeral. They have a funeral, like a memorial of viewing and a funeral for 24 hours. So everybody comes in, there's food, and they just sit around the body and they sing and they cry and they weep and they pray and there's a service and they weep and they cry and they sing and they pray and there's maybe another service and they eat and they come back and it's just like 24 hours. Literally, through the night, 24 hours. And uh, very different than, uh, than the way that some of you have uh, funerals in your family. I'm Irish on my father's side. They have a wake. They would all come in and see the body, and everybody gets wasted. They all drink beer and talk about how Johnny did this or that and whatever. And, you know, I've, we've done away with that in my family. Funeral service is usually conducted by a pastor or minister. It can be a, a family, friend, so on and so forth. Many people don't have pastors. I used to be a kind of a rent-a-pastor guy. Uh, the funeral home that we're going to go to here, and we're all going to go uh, in just a little bit. Uh, if you if you want to, you don't have to by any means. Um, there's a death this morning, of course. If you're on Skype, you'll have to be there in spirit because uh, you won't be able to drive there, of course. Uh, but James Hollenbeck, uh, who's a dear friend of mine and uh, member of the church here, founding member uh, and board member of uh, City Church, as I understand it, in Anchorage, and uh, was a very active part in Northgate for years, uh, has uh, passed, gone on to uh, gone on to glory. So there's a, a viewing this morning and then a burial following that on the military base. Um, if you're unfamiliar with funeral etiquette, there is very there's wedding etiquette, there's funeral etiquette, and some people just are clueless as to what what you should do when you come to a viewing. And again, it depends on different whatever culture uh, you might come from. Um, somebody says, should I go to a should I should I go to a, a funeral of a, a somebody who's a Jehovah's Witness? I don't even know if they have funeral Jehovah's Witnesses. They they probably do. <laughs> they don't have birthdays or Christmas or anything else. Maybe they don't have that either. I don't know. Should you go to a funeral of, of a cult member? I I say yes. I mean, if you know the family, you're going to give honor, and it all depends on the that role of the person in your life. But any opportunity to bring the kingdom anywhere, as the Lord leads you, you you go for it. Um, there's many different components. Now, uh, a funeral is when the body's present. Here's a good, good definition. What's the difference between a funeral and a memorial? A funeral is when the body's present. A memorial is when the body's not present, including if there's ashes. I think it's also called a, a memorial. A memorial is when there's no body. I would, I, yeah, there's, the de definitions differ. Christians usually call them a celebration of life. I'll never forget Claire Barton's funeral. Um, it was like a revival service. <laughs> you remember that? It was just the power of God, people laughing. We had worship. She wanted the church service. And so we sang. We had a you know, set list and worshiped God. And I preached. And, and uh, Ed Callens, Pastor Ed Callens, who used to pastor here in the valley, he preached. And we prayed. And 
family got touched, and it was awesome. Um, what we're going to do today is a viewing. Uh, a viewing is when there's a body and you go and you pay your respects, basically, and uh, there's a right way to do that. Um, what I have been taught, and again, it differs culture, like in Brazil or uh, wherever you might come from, your culture, you know, might be different. Um, I've been taught that with a, with a, uh, a body that's present or ashes and photographs up on the front area, you, you come into the uh, funeral home or the church or wherever it's held, you walk directly up to center aisle and you pay your respects uh, to, as the body's there, you just thank God, view the body for a moment. You don't have to stand there real long. I'm, you know, I'm, I've been touched by the Lord just standing there. I've also considered raising the person up from the dead, which I've never done. I did have a bunch of young adults that tried to shove me to get me to yank this lady out of the coffin, but we were pretty confident she had gone to hell. So I know maybe that would have been a good opportunity to raise her up. But anyway, I had no faith for that, and, and that's not what's happening today either. He's in heaven, and uh, I think he'd probably be pretty ticked off if we pulled him out of there, actually. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they say that, that those that get raised from the dead are very angry when they come back. They want to know why, you know, I mean, like, really, you really yanked me out of there. <laughs> Some African just got in a fight. He came back from the dead, and he beat up the guy that raised him up. <laughs> Can you imagine coming back into this cesspool, into this, you know, after being in glory? I mean, it's just like, what have you done? <laughs> this is the worst nightmare. <laughs> I was worshiping unhindered by the flesh. <laughs> anyway, God knows about all of that kind of stuff. But you come and you pay your respects. The family is, uh, immediate family, etiquette-wise, is always on the front row. And if the family's larger, it goes to the second row. But then the second row is um, aunts, uncles, uh, that kind of thing, and, then, and so on and so forth, going all the way back, depending upon how large the family is. You, you basically pay your respects to... Uh, Thank God for the person's life. Uh, and then you move to greet the family and the people afterwards with just a, a, a loving handshake and, you know, expressing your condolences. And, uh, and you know, just got to be led by the Spirit. I mean, I've had people just fall apart into my arms. You know, I'm, I'm their pastor. I've known them for years kind of thing. They fall apart, and I just hold them while they weep. And, uh, you know, you weep with those who weep, and you mourn with those who mourn, and you laugh with those who laugh. And it's a time of real healing. Grieving really is a, a, quite a process. And so funerals, memorials, uh, celebrations of life, viewings, they help bring closure. Um, what should you wear? Culture, again, differs. Um, you know, I was raised in the East Coast and went to a college preparatory school and all of that. I mean, wearing a tie for me is like normal. Um, I just grew up that way every day. High school, I had to wear a tie. Wearing a tie for me is not a real big deal at all. I kind of enjoy it. Um, as a pastor, we have a philosophy of ministry about ties, although we're, we're, we're varying away just a little bit. It used to be that the only people that wore ties in the Hawaiian Islands were judges and lawyers. And so based upon moving in a, in a, in a uh, contrary to the relaxed, hang-loose culture, 
doctor said if Dr. Morocco said if judges and lawyers wear ties, then I'm going to wear a tie too because I'm doing I'm doing as an important job or more important than they are. And um, so, so we've worn ties for years. That's we've lightened up just a little bit. Would you close the door for me, please? We've lightened up just a little bit, uh, but still, you representing you come to look. You get to look sharp. Um, it's important to represent Jesus rightly, to be clean. Um, you know, I've got breath mints today. I'm practicing. I should probably have one. I should have one. Praise God. You're all like, yeah, I was, I was hoping you're going to go. Amen. <laughs> you should always carry breath mints, you know, as a minister, right? You know that, right? Somebody's got to have them. You go to pray for people. It would be good that you don't make them gag. When you brush your teeth, you wear deodorant. All those things are important. I think it's important to be clean-shaven. If you're going to grow facial hair, I think you should have it trimmed and looking tight and sharp. Um, you know, you just don't want to look. You're representing the king. You're representing the king. You go and you look at royalty, and they look like royalty. They dress like royalty. They walk like you're royalty. So you say, well, that's a little uptight. It really isn't. It's called excellence. And here's the thing about that while I'm on a rant. Um, people of excellence notice people of excellence. People who, are, who don't think like that, it doesn't matter to them. But here's what happens. If you go to the lowest common denominator and just are super relaxed, then people of excellence will dismiss you. So when they, they look and they go, oh, they, uh, they don't know how to take care of themselves or whatever, or they don't. And you say, well, that's... That's, they're judging me. <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. They're judging you. Right. Yeah, welcome to, look, the, the, the people that, that are tellers at banks aren't pierced all over. They don't have all kinds of piercings going through their lips and their tongues and their ears and stuff hanging off their eyebrow connecting to their lip. You know, and they're not tattooed all over their, you know, they might have tattoos that are covered. It's lightening up a little bit now. But, I mean, tellers, bank tellers, why? Because people, people don't feel comfortable. There's a whole generation that doesn't feel comfortable about that. That's shifting. It's changing. But it's still true. It's still true. It's just, it's the way we are. We're human beings. And so uh, people will judge you. I, I used to be way more aggressive in the way that I preached, the way that I taught in my communication, and um, you might find that hard to believe, but I used to be pretty, pretty edgy, man. Uh, Pastor Vince could tell you on Kauai. I'd thin the crowd for sure, but that wasn't so good. I'd offend people just for offending them's sake. I mean, I, I just had pride in my heart, young preacher, whatever. I wouldn't offend people because I want to offend them, but I, but I was just, you know... You can be gracious. You can learn to be gracious. You can speak the truth with love and grace. And I'm still learning that. <laughs> Anybody else? Pastor Alex, are you learning that? Okay, so what's, why is that important? Because, because you want to take a wide swath for the kingdom of God. If you're doing something that hinders your influence and your, your ability to be able to minister people and they're turning you off because of whatever, then... You know, I, I just don't want to do that. I want to try to take a wide swath as possible. So, back to funerals. Um, you know, you you dress. You know, to um, you dress appropriately. And honestly, in Alaska, I don't think it matters all that much, unless you're a pastor or unless you're a minister. And I think, at least for me, 
Um, like Pastor Alex is not going to be joining us. He's got other things to do. Um, but as soon as I saw him, I said, dude, viewing. He said, Pastor, remember I'm not going. I've got, oh, yeah. I'm like, oops. <laughs> so in my estimation, as somebody on my staff, just wearing a cool shirt and a pair of pants, and he knows. So uh, I should have known something was Mr. Organized over there. Something was up, and I was off because he's, he's, he's sharp and dresses rightly for the, for the occasion. But it's important. It shows honor. It shows respect for you, for the house. It shows honor and respect for the Lord. It shows honor and respect for the family that you would um, dress appropriately, be clean, so on and so forth. Okay. Uh, some people bring gifts to memorials. Um, I'll just tell you, for as a church, formal members, formal member dies, uh, we give them, there's actually... A uh, formal member gets what's called a wreath. It's, uh, it's, it's not just a, a little bouquet. It's, it's a little bit more significant than that. We usually have a $100 budget for a formal member that we... Flowers have gone up. You can't even get a wreath now for $100. But um, you get a wreath, and uh, that we will be sending flowers to not the memorial this morning, but to the funeral inn. We, we, we were going to pick which one, and so we decided to send them to... Um, city church tomorrow. Um, there's registering, signing, signing in, all that kind of stuff. Uh, it's it's nice to bring a card. We'll have a card this morning from the church. Um, I'll have a card from uh, from my wife and I. Uh, it all depends on your relationship with them. You don't have to have a card this morning. I'll be covering that with a card just from the congregation. But that's important to give a card and just to thank them depending upon uh, how the Lord speaks to you whatever it's it's okay to give money at that time to bless people to um, sometimes you know when people die their 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 financial status might not be in a place where it's orderly and maybe a widow is going to be left seriously hurting I mean that's a good opportunity to bless them and to try to help them in their burden as a husband or father's going on to be with the Lord um, It is, um, for the longest time, my wife, my wife doesn't like dead bodies. Not that I do. I don't like dead bodies either, but I'm totally not freaked out by anything dead or anything bleeding or any, you know, it doesn't really move me too much. Emergencies, that kind of stuff. My wife, on the other hand, she gets nauseous, she gets sick, she sees blood, she might pass out, and dead bodies, she doesn't like dead bodies too much. She's not into it. So, for years... It'd be like a viewing, and uh, she would kind of like, I'd go to the body, and she'd sort of fade and come to the front line, you know? So, I mean, you got to do what you got to do. And for the longest time, uh, she didn't want her kids to come in. I, what age is appropriate for children? Let me just tell you my view on that. Let them live life. Let them, let them see it. Let, I, I'm just, you know, I'm not, not in a morbid way, but I think it's okay for kids to see they remember it. I mean, you know, I don't remember your first dead body that you saw. Dude, I totally do. His name was Big Jim. And he worked for my elementary school. And uh, he was so kind and gracious to me. And um, I, was a, it was, I was hurting when I got there. I didn't have any friends and all that. And he just up and died. The funeral home was walking distance from my elementary school, from the middle school that I was at. 
and I heard about it, and they said there's a funeral, and you could leave the middle school in those days and go get lunch in town and come back. You had to sign out. But I mean, gosh, it's like fifth grade. I could go do that. So I was in fifth grade. I heard about the funeral. You couldn't do that now. Heard about the heard about this this wake or whatever they had, and he was going to be over there. So I signed in at fifth grade. I walked in, and there was a whole bunch of people there mourning. I looked around. I was the only kid, and I saw the casket, and I saw my friend Jim in the casket. And I walked all the way up, and I just stared at him like, whoa, dead body. You know, it just made an impact. So the life and death, you know, death is a normal part of life. If you make it all weird, then people get, people get weird about it. But you don't have to be weird. It's just, you know, every one of us are going to die. Amen? Um, Um, I mean, you could, I could go crazy on funeral processions and your lights being on and all kinds of stuff like that. All of those cultural things, uh, burial, gravesite service. I remember the first gravesite service I did. I, uh, I tried desperately. I didn't know there was a gravesite service. It was in memorial. I mean, it was a funeral and then a burial. And so I, I called and I got wisdom from Pastor Ann at the time. I'd never done one before. It's my first funeral. She said, well, you just get it. You know, you just, was he saved? And I said, yeah, he's saved. I said, well, that's good. So you just, you know, try to comfort the family with a little word from the Lord and then give an opportunity for people to get saved. And, and then you pray for the family, and it'll be fine, Pastor Daniel. I'm like, okay, okay. So the funeral's like, there's tons of people there. I mean, I couldn't even believe how big it was. And people came, and here I am, you know, new pastor guy. And I do the best I can, and people got touched. And then they said, okay, so we're going to go to the burial now, and you're, you know, you're doing the burial service too. I thought, no problem, praise God. I'm like, what is a, what's a burial service? I'm, I'm on my phone trying to get Pastor Ann. I can't reach anybody. I mean, it's like, give a cell phone, answer it, for God's sake. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I was like desperately wanting to talk to somebody. Tell me what's a, what's a gravesite service. I don't even know what that was. So we get there, and, and everybody's all around. I will never forget this. And I'm standing there. I've got my Bible. I figure that's a good thing. I've got my Bible. And, and uh, th- there's the body and, and the whole thing. And, uh, you know, they haven't lowered it into the, into, the, into the grave yet. And everybody's standing here. And I'm like, okay, everybody's standing here. I'm like, I think I'm supposed to say something because this is like service and so I just pray. So I just prayed. Thank God for his life again. And I, the Lord speaks to me and says, read Psalm 23. And I was like, let's look at Psalm 23. I'm just kidding you not. It's how it went down. I read Psalm 23. People are weeping. And then I said, and so now we commit his body to the ground. And I remember seeing a movie, Ashes to Ashes, Dust to Dust. And it's in Job, I think. I said, Ashes to Ashes, Dust to Dust. Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we're done. <laughs> and so I finally got a hold of Pastor Ann. I said, Pastor Ann, this is what I did. She said, that's exactly what you're supposed to do. I said, oh, awesome. Thank you, Jesus. I didn't get training in that. And uh, so, you know, weddings, funerals, you know, usually get that kind of mentoring. Um, some, I mean, you do, but it, it's, and you're, this is a mentoring group, so you might not ever do a funeral. Maybe, maybe you're going to be in full-time ministry. Some of you have done funerals. Some of you have done weddings. Anyway, uh, 
be that as it may, I thought it would take a, a moment just to share with that this morning because we need to be there at about quarter to 11 and it just sort of killed two birds with one stone. All of you certainly don't need to go, um, but I'm going to be going. Pastor Vince is going to go. Amen. I got a church van outside. If you want to ride together, we can do that. Any, any questions at all? No questions? Well, that's great. I would probably say 15 minutes. Yeah, the, the question is, how long should your sermon be at a funeral? I, you know, I've had more questions, uh, and so my answer was 15 minutes. I've had more questions recently that there are no hard, fast answers. And, and what I'm finding myself, and I don't mean to be like hyper-spiritual or anything, but you got to hear the Holy Spirit, man. Like, you know, we went to the chapel. I had this thing. I thought it was a great word. It totally wasn't it. And I had 20 minutes and it would have taken me 30 to really deliver it. And I thought, I'm thinking this, you know, great, all, all the prep. Got, got 15, 20 minutes. I want you to sing. I know that's God. So now I got 15 minutes. Do I drop a 30-minute word in 15 minutes and preach so fast that people can't understand anything I'm going to say? Or do I just go, Jesus, what do you, what do you Lord? Lord, you're going to be led by the Spirit. So, you know, I did a funeral over here. A guy that we had uh, ministered, Tim, you might remember we it was I'm talking eight years ago we went and visited somebody and the guy was like a gangster from from Anchorage and I forget how they they the the girlfriend or the wife or something came to the church and we went and visited at their apartment and uh, talked with him and he came to service a couple times uh, and I remember the last time he came we stood in the back corner, and he's weeping and says, I, this is, you don't understand what I've done. I, this, I'm not worthy. I can't come in this building again. And I preached the gospel to him. I said, dude, you're worthy because of the blood. And he just began to weep. I said, just receive it by faith. He says, you don't know what I've done. He looked at me, and I could tell. It was like he'd done some stuff. I led him in the sinner's prayer, and he gave his heart to the Lord. So now seven years later, this is like last year, maybe six years later, maybe two years ago, they call the the memorial place, which is where we're going to go, calls me up and said, there's a funeral, and they say that, that you're their pastor. I'm like, man, who's that? I don't know. So they tell me the name. Gosh, I can hardly remember my own name sometimes, so I don't know who it is. And so, <laughs> Don't laugh too hard now. Anyway, I, I go down there, and I'm ready, like, okay, ready for a funeral. Here we go, ready for a funeral. I mean, I, I get to the memorial, and there's, like, lowriders and stuff, I mean, we're, we're talking like Cholo-type cars, and I'm thinking, whoa, inner-city funeral. So I get in there, and everywhere he's wearing snapbacks, and the whole place is filled with Anchorage, you know, semi-gangster-type, snapbacking, low-riding, pretty rough community. And I get in there, and uh, it's, it's packed. And uh, this was like their father. You know, it was like their... I mean, they saw him like as dad. He was a major, major father figure to these people and to them. I remember the wife, uh, and she's crying. And so I get up to do my regular funeral. The regular, you know, I got a little sermon. Going to do my little thing. I said, well, let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. And everybody's like, you know, staring at me. I pray. I feel no anointing. 
I, I'm, I start getting into my sermon, not one person is listening to anything I'm saying. Nobody's listening except maybe the wife and a few people on the front row because if they start texting or doing whatever they're going to do, obviously it's a little rude because they're right in my face, right? But they're literally zero attention span. I continue on that vein for about three or five minutes, which is a pretty long time, and I'm not connecting with anybody. And at that point, I just said, you know what? This is stupid. And so I said that to myself. I said, this is stupid. I said, all right, y'all, you know what? Forget my, for you ain't listening to me anyway. And then I got all their attention at that point. I said, let me just tell you my story. I told them my story and straight street preached him for about 15 minutes and three quarters of them gave their heart to Jesus. I mean, they were weeping and crying. I said, some of you guys are out there doing your thing, whatever. I just brought it. I said, he, he's gone. I said, Where, you, you're going to live. I said, I led him to Christ. I, I prayed the whole, I mean, I just straight, da, 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 da. I just mowed him down. And totally, you know, the funeral guy's like, the funeral guy's like, this is not what it's supposed to be, you know. But what happened was they, they heard the gospel. If I had stayed in my little box, it never would have made any impact. So you have to know who you're preaching to. This is, goes for preaching anyway. You got to know who you're preaching to. And, and, and you have to be relevant and let the Spirit of God shift your gears. You stay stuck in some religious thing. You ain't going to get nothing done. That, that day was the most memorable, powerful funeral service I ever preached. Snapbacks were coming off and those people were crying. And they were getting touched, and I had people just afterwards say, hey, man, you know what? It's all right, man. So I'm, it's all right, Joe. It's all right. I mean, it was crazy. <laughs> I've never been to a funeral like that since. All right, any other questions? Very important in your preaching and your communication, know who you're speaking to. Know what the Lord is saying, and be willing to be, willing to be moved by the wind when he tells you to move. You ain't feeling an anointing, you're not feeling an unction, then you're not going to get anything done. It's the anointing that breaks the yoke. It's the power of God that breaks the yoke. Amen. You've got to find that. And, and, and that can shift. You can feel like you got the word of the Lord like I did on, on Wednesday. Felt like I had it, dude. Felt like I had the word of the Lord. And all of that was preparation to get right there to go, no, you're not doing any of that. You're doing this right here. And, and they said it was one of the most powerful... Um, chapels they ever had. They were still talking about it by the, by the end of the week. Thursday they were talking about it. Amen. My daughter's school. And she said, Dad, all the guys said they're just never going to talk to you. I said, that's exactly right. Amen. Praise God. <laughs> I said, mission accomplished. Hallelujah. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm teasing. I'm totally joking. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> she said, you know, one of my friends says, she's, she says, you look kind of intense but she knows that you're a warm, cuddly bear inside. And I told her, that's totally not how he is. <laughs> I thought, oh, Jesus. All right, we're done. Any questions? Any questions at all? That's for, just for humor. Inside snapshot, snapshot of the Bracken family. Any, any, uh, any questions at all? All right, maybe it was fruitful for you. Maybe, maybe it was, maybe some of you. Yeah, you got a question? Come on, hit me. What you got? I don't even know what a snapback is. a hat that snaps in the back. All right. It's traditional gang wear. Baseball cap. It's got the snapback. Dude, that's what youth call them, snapbacks. Am I right? Am I right? 
Oh, it's total hood, hoodie. You know, it's not hoodie, but like hoodish. Minister Tim, do you know what a snapback is? Yes, sir. Of course Rest I my do. case. Praise the Lord. Amen. <laughs> Minister Tim was a snapbacking rapper, pop and lock specialist. Come on, Minister Tim, give me an amen. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> All right. I still have a hard time wearing a hat inside. My father hit me so many times in the back of the head. Praise God. Just, I can't wear a hat inside. My dad cured me of that. Okay. You can, it is appropriate to bring gifts. You can bring a gift if you feel like the Lord leads you to do that. I've seen fruit baskets. I've seen, you know, uh, yeah, as a gift, just leave it at the front or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. If you feel the Lord lead you that way. Or to drop it at the front or leave it for them. You know, I wouldn't think it's appropriate to bring the fruit basket with the Chiquita banana and the whole thing right to the front, you know, but. How many of you know what a Chiquita banana is? All right. I don't. I just, it just sort of came out. I think it's the lady with the hat and all the stuff. All right. Any questions at all? All right, Father, we thank you. Help us to comfort people. Comfort those who, oh, I, I should say this. I feel led to share this. Um, I've had many people say, well, how, you know, how do you, how do you minister to people in, in the midst of tragedy? And, you know, somebody dying, of course, is tragedy, is lost. There's other things, suicides. And I have, I have, may I never have to do another one of those. I've done my fair share. In fact, to quote Dr. Morocco, I've never known anybody that's done more suicide funerals than you. I've done more few suicide funerals, dude, and I don't like them. I don't like them at all. They're upsetting. Especially when you have a kid that killed himself and your parents are there. It is such a heartbreaking, wrenching experience. How do you minister to that, those people? You weep with those who weep. And I'll just tell you how it is for me. Um, I just, it's a, I don't know. I'm a feely sort of, I feel deeply. Some people, uh, you know, Dr. Morocco is not somebody that's deeply moved by compassion. He more, he's more, um, he, he feels deeply. He's got a big heart and he's a compassionate man. He doesn't have empathy. There's not so much empathy for him. He, from him, you, you know, some people are, you know, you start crying and they're trying to analyze why you're crying. You know what I mean? As opposed to, for me, I get around somebody that's grieving. I feel the grief. It's a very real thing for me. And so that's been a gift for me. But you've got to find how it is for you. So if I get in the presence of people that are weeping and the car, there's a car crash and there's dead and there's a suicide, I mean, you just come full of the Holy Ghost and you let the Holy Spirit use you. And honestly, that has been putting my arm around somebody and weeping with them. As we sit there, weep and call on his name. Weep and go, Jesus, help us. You know, and just weep. I mean, you just weep. It's, or you let your heart break, man. There's no chapter and verse unless God gives you one. Uh, you know, I mean, there's no, I mean, there's nothing in a book that you're going to be able to read. To, how do you minister life to somebody who lost their, their child? It's being moved with the bowels of compassion and letting God lead you. Don't stay sterile and, and you feel it. Go ahead. Love people deeply from the heart. It hurts to love people. And, but, you know, being a minister, being a pastor, it's like you live life at a thousand miles an hour. Way more death, way more life, way all the testimonies and lives you're involved in. Man, I love it. It's awesome. Praise God. Yeah. 
I, okay, how do you, so would you do the same thing if, even if you don't know the person and you're, because not all ministers would know or maybe not everybody going knows the person there. Uh, the person that passed away. I don't know the family, so I don't know. You're just going to go and pay your respects just as a fellow human being. And what that is is basically your handshake is a prayer. I'm so sorry. You know, but that's, that, you're not going to have that response. You don't even know the person. You know what I mean? But I, I've been in situations where I didn't know people either. But the tragedy was so horrible. Well, who's not going to cry? I'm sitting there crying, weeping with them, and we're praying. And you just express your heartfelt, you know, grief. And then I pray. And I'll pray. I mean, I'll just, I'll just grab the hem of his garment and pray, slash pray, prophet, prophet pray. I'll just let the Lord use me. You know what I mean by that? That's like prophesying, but you're praying, so they don't really know you're prophesying. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, it's a safe way. To, to prophesy kind of thing in a way that's not spooky and weird. And you have to, you know, you have to, some people are devoid of knowing when the anointing's lifted and when, when to press and when to let up. You know, there's times where it can be really uncomfortable, but if you'll, if you'll press in God because he wants you to, then their hearts will break and they'll get saved. Or, you know, there's times where just to back off and let them, like, I mean, you got it. the Spirit-led life. I don't even know how you do this thing without the Holy Spirit. I have no idea how to do ministry without the leading of the Spirit of God. I just do not, I mean, that's like, wow, that would be painful. Amen. Any questions? All right, we're going to saddle up and head over there. It's right down the street. Uh, if you want to take your own car, you do not have to go. I'd encourage you to go. Tammy has to go. Would you please go, please? You're all right. You, well, you know her, right? Yeah, please. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, you, oh, thanks. A, a viewing, you should only, you don't have to stay any longer than 15 minutes on a viewing. Viewing's, you know, hit and run. That's probably, that's, no. That's a bad way to say it. No, it's touch and go. Here you go. It's, it's greet and psh, I have a meeting at the top of the hour that's uh, super duper important. So um, it's, it's not a long thing. We're not sitting there and somebody's going to talk to us. It's a viewing. So you, you greet, you go through, you say hi to the family, linger a little bit. All right, Father, thank you that even in death, as the psalmist said, where, O oh, death is thy sting, that even in death, God, you snatch victory. And Lord, we pray that you would use us today and that you give us a sensitivity to your leading and your guiding in all of these things in life. As we're your hand extended, Lord, to so many people, help us to be Christ-like in everything that we do. Let the love of God rule every single decision. Let's all say that out loud. Let the love of God rule every single decision. You can never go wrong. Love, considering others more important than yourselves. And that's what all etiquette and manners are based on. Letting somebody else go first, opening the door for them, all of it. All of that is loving people. Father, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.